Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thursday, February 4th here on the Locked On Coyotes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're covering everything Arizona Coyotes, but today will be a special day. Instead of Coyotes, we'll be talking all things Tucson Roadrunners as their season set to begin on Sunday at noon at the Tucson Arena. I'm Rob Leano, your host. Joining me here today is a... uh, Great friend of mine, and he covers the Tucson Roadrunners as well for the Arizona Daily Star down here in the uh, great Tucson area. His name's Brett Farah. Hey, how you doing, Brett? I'm good, but wait, wait, wait. You're saying the game is Sunday now? Is that what I'm hearing? No, just playing. <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of that, I'm guessing, this season, but uh, but we already have some schedule changes. But no, thanks, thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Uh, yeah, good Good to have you on. A couple things I do want to address. I said it would be all Tucson, but to, I do want to address the first thing as a news that just came out as of uh, Wednesday evening for the Arizona Coyotes' sake. This weekend's game against the Minnesota Wild has been postponed due to uh, safety protocols regarding the Minnesota Wild organization has more people testing positive for the coronavirus. Uh, so they, they had to shut down the entire training facility and, well, there's no games this weekend, that Brett, for the for the Coyotes, and that, that it was the same thing that happened for the Roadrunners this weekend. That's the right. reason why we have the Sunday game. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. Like that's exactly why I was thinking when you asked me when you made when you said that question at the or you said that at the beginning, and I was just joking. But it's true. Like we're already seeing it. Yeah, we're a month in for the NHL schedule, and so it's happening all over the place. But the regular season not even off the ground for the AHL, and it's happening. So I think we just have to be as people covering the leagues in our cases as fans enter the picture, whether they're watching or listening at home or online or, or some actually getting into the buildings uh, in, in Tucson that looks like it's going to be a possibility, just like in Glendale. Uh, I think patience and flexibility is going to be the, the key word uh, for this season because this is not going to be the only time we see this. And, uh, and it's oh. already kind of starting. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not going to be the only time we see it. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's the part of adapting to what we what we have going in, in this uh, in this hockey season, just in sports in general, because obviously right now we have to be as careful as we can. Um, and it's it's weird because I, I this, this is the uh, uh, the saying that a lot of people are saying. And obviously one that is said uh, over at uh, uh, the show over on uh, my other work at Wildcats Radio 1290, where we use the word the new normal. Obviously, a lot of us hate that word because you're just like, we don't want this to be normal. But I mean, we have to be used to these games changing literally on a on a heartbeat. Well, and I think it's going to also you mentioned before we got going here today, uh, you know, off the air, you had mentioned to me about you know, we kind of talked for a second and taxi squads and things like that and all these things that we're not used to. And and from a hockey standpoint, it's it's going to play a role in the players we see both up the NHL level and down here in Tucson and the AHL level. Where it's it's going to be a lot of movement. So the, that flexibility isn't just in the schedule. It's going to come in rosters. It's going to come from game to game in rosters. 
there may be times where it's, you know, second intermission, we got guys getting called up uh, to go play on a taxi squad or getting sent back down. And so I, I, I just think it's, it's going to take a lot of patience. And so I hope as somebody covering the team here that the audience is patient because it's going to be a, a struggle. There might be times where I'm like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's, you know, not on the roster, not, not playing tonight. And yet someone in the crowd or a fan who's reading me might actually know that that person got called up already uh, because of just stuff happening by the minute. Um, so I, I'm trying to sort of get my own zen together, you know, do my own calming exercises and, you know, yoga about it to make sure that I don't get in my own head and get mad at myself too much for not being as as connected just because it's also hard. We can't see practices. We talked about this too. We can't see practices up close. You can, but it's just, it's not the same. The interaction with players isn't the same. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a different feel all around. And I know from your perspective, kind of covering the Coyotes and, and, and all leagues um, related to this, that you would probably agree with me that, you know, we want to do our best to bring the picture to the audience, but it's, it's going to be a different thing for us too than we've ever experienced. Yeah. Um, and it, that's, that's the weird thing is all, you know, the age of, uh, of, of, uh, of zoom meetings and uh, those right. press, the press conference is done that way. It is, it is weird. Like I, I've done enough for the U of A. I've done, uh, I did one for the Roadrunners uh, when they introduced the new head coach, Steve Potvan, and it just felt weird mm-hmm. being in my own home while I had a press conference interviewing the new head coach of the Tucson Roadrunners. Right. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever get used to that. I think it, and I think it's actually tough because what, what I hope, and this is not about the Roadrunners or the Coyotes, um, even U of A is I hope that that normalcy doesn't become normal where it's like, right. well, you know, why do we need to give more access? Not that anyone's trying to limit access, but it's naturally going to be limited through this setup. So I think that's the part that I'm most nervous about is not right now. It's what happens next year and the year after. How do we as an, as an institution, meaning the, the sports journalism market, keep that access. And it's not for us. As much as people on social media want to comment sports journalists sometimes to say, hey, you know, why are you always complaining? You know, we're not the ones asking. But the reality is that, you know, we've seen it at various elements, you know, over the years that, you know, be it at, you know, the college level, things like that, that the fan directive, direct connection to some of these athletes is helped by what we cover even on a when it's a bad team and it seems like all we're covering is negative stuff because they're losing a lot it's helping the fans ability to stay connected and so um that's my biggest fear or or trepidation i guess is what's it going to be like a year from now are we going to get back to the point where we can look these guys in the eyes in person and get to know them so that they trust us when we're diving into their personal lives not to be tabloid journalists but to really learn about them and share you know that they have you know kids at home and you know a spouse and they're still across the country because they're living their dream and it's tough and all these things that we may not get to have that sort of personal humanized connection to over zoom and you know brett that is one of the main reasons why i've always loved covering the american hockey league is because mm-hmm. that usually in normal year that is what's it, the easiest thing to get we're here in tucson there's almost impossible to get to be able to talk to the players unless you're unless they're under strict supervision of the uh, of the SIDs and they get coached on what they have to say sometimes, and then you have the, right. you know then you have the NHL where it's uh, you know almost the same thing or you get literally every cliche answer known to man. I mean you get that in the American Hockey League too, but 
I mean, it's uh, it's a lot more personable down in the minors, and I really appreciate that. It's and like you said, I mean, it's for, sad that we don't get that. But go ahead. Well, and there's you know, you and I have experienced it side by side. You you remember last year we're covering the beginning of Ivan Prozvatov's career with Tucson, and we're down in that hallway, and he starts talking about you know. You know, and, and I'm not trying to make fun of him. I'm not trying to mock him at all. He's got this kind of deep Russian accent, but speaks perfect English. And and as a young kid, you know, I think 20 years old at the time, and he's he's you know basically talking about things, and it's got this sort of like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the comparison. Like it's got like a kind of like a Rocky movie feel to it. How he's explaining, you know, you know, back in Russia, you know, that kind of thing. And again, I'm not making fun of him. I think it was just so endearing. And he would just be dead honest with us. And then we get to ask him things about, you know, living here and coming here and, and playing in the States for the first time and not with the Roadrunners, but he did the, he played in the, in, a, in North America for the first time in juniors and then to the Roadrunners. And anyway, I know I'm kind of talking over myself, but the point is like, it just, it's such a different thing when we get to have those face-to-face conversations, especially with these young guys who are really adulting for the first time. I mean, one of my favorite conversations last year was with, I can't remember who it was. It was Michael Bunting and a few other guys. And they're talking about how they all live at the same apartment complex up in kind of the edge of Oro Valley. And uh, so they got about a 30 minute drive to work. They carpool to work, you know, they go to practice. They're all driving together in one of their trucks and stopping for coffee. And, you know, this is work for them. And, and this is their job and they, they, you know, love it so much. And they're talking about Taco Tuesdays in their apartment. And we were actually talking about trying to go and cover it and do a story on it for the star. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and, those kind of things, like learning what their lives are like when they're, you know, if they're from the middle of Alberta or Saskatoon or Ontario or one of these places, you know, where they're, you know, thousands of miles from where home is. And and then sort of, I, I use this word facetiously because they love it down here, stuck in Tucson of all places or Phoenix if they're if they're up with the Coyotes. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a really great part of this is how close we actually get and for you and me rob we can both attest to this you know we're in tucson where we get tv here but there's not for being a city of a million people you know a top 50 market in the country give or take um there's not a ton of media that covers this team and i'm not saying that's good or bad or otherwise but i don't hate it because it gives us the ability to really own the coverage a little bit which um allows us to have that connection with these folks it definitely does, and I'm super excited for the season to come up this uh, this year regardless. Once again, with the season starting on uh, Sunday at noon, it will be a uh, away game, but still at home against the San Jose right. Barracuda. We'll get more into that a little bit later, but, uh, but first I want to talk to you guys about betonline.ag. Guys, uh, with the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, also on Sunday, uh, there's so many different things you can bet on with the Super Bowl. Who are you going to pick? Whether it's going to be uh, Chiefs or Bucks, maybe you're going to w- want to bet on the uh, prop bets, like the uh, like the coin toss. Anything you can think of. If you want to go ahead and do that, there's one place that has you covered. One place that we trust. That's BetOnline.ag. Sign up for a free account today at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code once again. That's locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We continue now on Locked On Coyotes. I'm Rob Liano, Brett Farah of the Arizona Daily Star joining us to talk some Tucson Roadrunners today. All Tucson Roadrunners 
all day on this wonderful Thursday as they get ready for the season coming up this uh, Sunday. And uh, Brett, personally, how excited are you for this for this Roadrunners team? It's not really much you can expect because, like we were saying in the in the previous segment, we aren't able to see the practices ahead of time, so we don't know much about this team. Um, we know they're under a different coach. Well, kind of. He was an assistant coach now, but but now Steve Potvin is the main man behind the bench, and a couple different guys on the roster. Some guys over in the taxi squad or in Glendale. That were there from last year. Some guys are uh, a lot of new guys, a lot of returning guys. Uh, maybe what what are your expectations for Tucson this year? I think if I tried to answer that, um, you know, I'd be crazy if I tried to. We're talking about you, you, you know. Hey, I'll, I'll I'll harken back to your to your last sponsor break. I'm not a betting man on this one to answer this question because there's no answer. It's such a, a different group, even though it's not a different group. There's, there's a leadership component that's absolutely going to carry over from last year. I mean, arguably, and, and there, this isn't necessarily one, two, three in the charts, but if you look at just consistency over the course of the season, arguably the three top scorers that the road owners had, probably the four top scorers the road owners had a year ago are with the team right at this moment. Braden Burke, uh, Michael Bunting, Lane Peterson, and uh, Hudson Bashing. There's obviously guys um, uh, that aren't that are in the mix there and that didn't necessarily return. But I mean, that's a that's a heck of a force. And Bashing just came back down to Tucson a couple of days ago, and how long he stays is to be determined. But um, so they've got firepower that's returning. They've also got uh, on uh, on the goaltending end. We mentioned Ivan Prozatov a few minutes ago. They they've basically out of the 24 players currently with the team i want to say 12 it started out as 11 i think it's 12 now played at least to some degree with them last year and nine of those 12 have been with the team for three years or longer this will be their third year or longer which is a long time for this league so you have this weird dynamic of sort of a 50 50 and that doesn't even get into the coaching component where you've got almost the exact same sort of setup but one less person behind the bench you've, you've got steve Popvin, the new head coach who was an assistant to Jay Verity the last two years, right alongside uh, John Slaney, who was also an assistant to Verity. Both of them also assisted Mike Van Ryan. So here you have these two assistant coaches from the last three years as this team won two its two division titles uh, three years ago and then last year in their in the franchise's history. And at the same time, they've been coaching for two head coaches who have now gone on to be NHL assistants. Potvin gets the nod, but it very easily could have been Slaney. I mean, Slaney's an AHL Hall of Famer as a player, and he's been coaching in the league for nine years. So either way, it was going to be a, a decision that I'm going to guess the players, and they told me this, would be on board with. Um, it went Potvin. It became Potvin, and I don't know how that went down. They're, they're kind of um, close to the vest on that. But either way, the two of them are on board. You know, they're, they're sidekicks. You know, one handles the defense. That's Slaney. One handles the offense. That's Potvin. I believe, unless I get it backwards, Slaney handles the penalty kill, Potvin handles the, the power play. I mean, they're they're a, a dynamic duo. And from all it sounds like, very little in the process and everything has changed from how it was under Verity. So it's so hard to predict because you have so many different faces. And even the familiar faces are doing different things, a lot of the coaching staff. But it, it's impossible to predict how that's going to turn out. Um, my hardest thing, I think I told you this off uh, before we got started, too, is I don't know enough about the new players yet, about the new guys. I know there are guys like Ryan McGregor, who was a pretty decent scorer at the junior level, played in Sarnia. He's on an NHL contract. 
Um, Jan Yenick, we haven't seen much. We're not quite sure exactly what's going on with him. You mentioned Soderstrom coming down from the taxi squad. So, I mean, there are new faces to this group that are absolutely going to have an impact. It's just, I think we got to see three or four games before we can really tell how and in what way. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's one of the things I, uh, I'm i thinking about too is, yeah, you have to see what these guys are capable of. We have to be there and actually see if our own eyes, give our own eye test on how these guys are. Um, now, what I'll say and what I'm really looking forward to from this team is, uh, you know, some of the two top defensemen in Kyle Capobianco and Victor Soderstrom. You know, you, obviously you mentioned Soderstrom's name as one of the new guys. And uh, he comes highly touted from Europe. Uh, everyone was super waiting on when he is eventually going to uh, come over to Arizona to make the call. He played, I believe, one game in Glendale as a uh, quick fill-in from the rotating cast with uh, him, Capo Bianco, and Gross to fill in for the injured Oliver Ekman Larson. And then they decided, well, we have Jordan Gross as our guy gonna, that's going to be at least the immediate fill-in. So Capo Bianco, Soderstrom, back down to Tucson. Uh, and I'm excited for them because Capo Bianco – has always been one of my favorite players on the Roadrunners for the last, you know, three years. Uh, Soderstrom, if he if he is even as good as advertised, from what I hear, I think I, this this could be a pretty fun team. I you know I was saying all that, and I had completely forgotten about Cabo Bianco. He went on, he got put on waivers, you know, three three days ago uh, to be sent down, and and that's also a risk. You know, you got guys on NHL contracts who. Uh, or theoretically one-way contracts. And what that means in this context is if you're two-way, you're, the freedom to go back and forth both ways is, is even if it's an NHL contract, is, is there. But the one-way contracts, you got to clear waivers to get sent back down here. And it was not a given that Bianco wasn't going to clear waivers. I mean, that, that's a fearful thing. If they ever decide to try to send Aiden Hill, the goaltender, down here, he'll probably get snatched up in about five seconds. So I think we've seen, at least for the prolongs the last we see of him but to your point about the defenseman to have a pairing like Capobianco and Soderstrom together um, I think it's huge and then you also it, you also have a second set pairing of Dyson Mayo and Cam Deneen you know there yeah. are enough guys to fill those roles um, that I think this team's gonna be able to hold up Jordan Schmaltz who's who had 43 games in the AHL level playing for Toronto and Bridgeport last year he's going to be uh, one of these defensive guys that they lean on so I, I think there's a uh, an opportunity for them to be deep enough to be able to pull this off. Their strength is going to be up front, but I, I think they have enough on the back end to hold up. Gross was one of those guys. It was really Gross, Capobianco, um, uh, uh, Robbie Russo, who's not here this year. So, I mean, that's changed quite a bit and what happened. But then, like I mentioned, Mayo. Mayo's in his sixth season with this club, and they've only been in Tucson for five years. So they have some ability to have they have some stability i should say some stability on that defensive front as well with these guys let's get to let's get to some of the uh the scheduling aspect for this uh for this team and i know a lot of the um you know we don't know if fans are ever going to be um when fans will eventually be allowed into the Mm -hmm. arena but uh this team this is a different year because i mean it's slightly different because for the most part Tucson will be playing interdivision most of the time anyways, with occasionally a couple from the Central. But this time, you're right. playing, what, everyone in your division eight, seven times, um, minus Stockton now, who we just found out is moving closer to their uh, parent uh, club in Calgary. So, 
you're playing against so many of these teams so many times. And obviously, like I said, we're used to this, but uh, I mean, how, how is this, how do you think this is going to play out? Cause I think this Pacific division could be different this year based off again, how we were talking about before with rosters, even from around the entire divisions in the NHL are moving around. Well, I think there's a pretty, I mean, I don't know if this is a consensus, but there's a pretty clear um, belief that Ontario is backed and that the King system is pretty loaded. And that's even losing, you know, Martin Furk, who, meaning he went up to the LA Kings, Martin Furk uh, at the all-star game last year, set the professional North American professional hockey record for what was his slap shot? Do you remember that in skills competition, like one Oh seven or something crazy? Yeah. It was something um, that high. It was ridiculous. Yeah. He, he's up with the Kings, Cal Peterson, their goaltender from their all-star goaltenders up with the Kings. And yet Ontario is considered to be loaded. And so a reversal from the past couple of seasons where you saw Tucson and, um, uh, Stockton and um, Colorado and I think who else was in the mix? San Diego. You know, you saw San Diego were sort of up in that upper echelon, top four-ish or so. Um, I think Ontario is going to make that push. I think it's flexible enough of a division that it could go the complete opposite of what anyone expects, and it wouldn't be a surprise either. I think probably the smartest move, though, and I had a conversation with Bob Hoffman uh, earlier this week where he said, the president of the Roadrunners, where he explained that the league really treated the scheduling, and it's obvious because some teams, the, the league minimum is 24 games for the entire league-wide, and some teams are playing only two other opponents, and they're playing them, you know, 12 times apiece uh, in the course of the season, and that's a lot of travel reasons and stuff like that. The Pacific Division, though, even, except for maybe San Jose, but it wouldn't surprise me if they busted San Jose, too, uh, and then Colorado, they're going to be busting a lot. They're going to bust to Vegas. They're going to bust to Irvine, where San Diego's playing. They're going to bust to El Segundo, California, where the Ontario is playing out of the Kings facility. They're they're going to be moving around that way. They do got to go to Texas for a few games. Um, so they'll be on an airplane a few times. But the point being, um, the Hoffman said that the league basically gave the division sort of their own carte blanche to figure out how they wanted this to work. And while there's a little bit, like you said, of overlap, the Kings will play, I mean, sorry, the, uh, the Roadrunners will play Texas six times, three at home, three on the road. Um, the majority of it was decided in-house that they're going to play more games than they normally do, proportionately. So usually the Pacific Division plays a 68-game schedule, at least that's how it's been the last four years, while the rest of the league yeah. has played about 76 games. This year, most of the rest of the league is playing high 20s, low 30s, whereas the Roadrunners at one point – um, I want to say they had the second most games on their schedule with 40. I think maybe San Diego had 41 on their schedule. And we're talking yeah. 41 games, not in a true, you know, they played 68 previous years and were scheduled to play that last year over a course of what, seven, six months. They're going to play 40 over four months. So it's a, um, it's just as intense of a schedule, put it that way. Or really three months. It's going to be February, March. In April, and then in and then mid May, they're going to hit the uh, the uh, whatever ends up becoming of a of a playoff situation, which is a totally another issue for the AHL. So I think that the schedule is pretty fascinating. They're they're going to have more three game weeks than they had the last couple of seasons. Um, talking to some of the players, um, a couple of the guys, Lane Peterson, Michael Bunting, they like that type of schedule where they're going to have more you know Friday, Saturday, Mondays, or Thursday, Friday, Sunday type setups. Um, 
Other players, Braden Burke, kind of preferred last year's type of schedule, he said. But I think they're all going to have to just – they're all going to know that they have to go in and be kind of what we said at the, at the beginning of the show, flexible and uh, willing to, to adjust because it's going to be a lot of hockey in a short period of time. Um, and there's going to be some games thrown out the window, just like this weekend. We didn't even get to the point. Um, I don't know if you want to bring it up or if you want me to about the, the games this weekend being you know, road games at home. And there's uh, there was some interesting notes said by uh, by Steve Popman um, during a conversation I had to him this week about that. Um, do you want me to mention that, or do you want to explain that? Oh to no, the go audience here. No, no, go right on ahead. So. Basically, San Jose, which is in Santa Clara, California, this is you know your hometown, uh, Rob. Um, yeah. They uh, Santa Clara has been very stringent on their regulations for a lot of events, but especially college and pro sports. So like Stanford um, uh, and San Jose State have had to play elsewhere for basketball games. Um, I think U of A played at played Stanford in uh, Santa Cruz, right at the home of the Santa yeah. Cruz Warriors, the the G League team for the for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Um, well, that's finally sort of appears to be lifted. The Sharks are heading home. Finally, they they had their training camp in Arizona and played a few home games in Glendale. Uh, the Barracuda had their training camp in this is the AHL team up in Chandler. And the league decided, or the way that the scheduling went, is that their first three home games would be theoretically in Tucson, even though they were home games. So what does that mean? Of course, that from a creature comfort standpoint. The Roadrunners are a home team when they're designated as a road team. And and the funny part about it, and this is once we look past the importance of safety in the pandemic, and of course that's paramount and we can't look past that. But if we set that aside for just a second and look at the hockey, the Roadrunners have a pretty fortuitous schedule because of this, even with the cancellation of one of those games this weekend as a player from San Jose uh, uh, tested positive last weekend in a preseason game against Henderson. Um, the... The Rotors are basically two two extra home games, and it's funny if you think of what month this is. What 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 is the usual take? You'll know this off the top of your head, but I'll quiz you anyway, Rob. What's the usual situation for the Roadrunners in February? Gem what show. happens every year in February? The Gem Show, Gem Show road trip. Well, there's no Gem Show this year. Tucson is famous for this big Gem and Mineral Show. If folks are listening from up in the valley or or outside, and our Coyotes fans and hearing this for the first time, Tucson is world famous for this. I mean. I don't know how many people, but many tens and tens and tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands even potentially, walk to Tucson in February for almost a full month um, at various points to go to these gem and mineral shows, which take over virtually every possible gathering hall in the city. And that includes the convention center. So the ice is covered up and turned into a big floor and the stands are pulled back. And it's, it's for a month, three weeks, they have to go on the road. They literally live out of suitcases for three and a half weeks, which doesn't sound crazy until you really think about it. Most road trips are not actually that long. You might be on mm-hmm. a road trip for two weeks at the AHL level, but you're coming home in between. They didn't. They don't come home. They're, they're three and a half, four weeks on the road. Well, uh, Steve Poppin, the new head coach, said, look, he goes, we're not trying to bask in someone else's misfortune of not being able to play at home, meaning San Jose, but the reality of it is that they're usually on the short end of the stick when it comes to February scheduling. The Roadrunners are. Yeah. And so they're going to take darn advantage of being able to have, you know, at the time he thought it was three extra home games. Now it's only two uh, as the schedule shifted a little bit. But uh, but it is it is a big deal. It is a big deal to a team that has played well at home um, and to, like I said, a team that for the only time doesn't have to deal with this. And Poppin said, he said, you know, next year we're not going to be so lucky. The gem show is going to be back. We're going to be back to normal. And we're going to be on the road for a month. So I, I do think they're pretty happy about having those extra 
uh, creature comfort games where they're in their home locker room, they're eating their home cooked meals, they're in their own beds, even though they're technically wearing whites as the road team this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that's the first thing that came to my head too. all the whole gem show stuff. And like I looked at their schedule, yeah. seeing as many home games as they got. And I'm like, I mean, like, man, like this should be fun. I mean, like first time in February, I'm going to be able to covering uh, Roadrunners games all month long. And, you know, this February is generally my favorite, one of my favorite months. So I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Well, and one of our one of our points a second ago about how many games total the Roadrunners are playing, they have more home games. If you count these two road games in their arena, they will have more home games than any other team in the league, um, both proportionately and in actual raw numbers. So when we're looking at can this team win, that's that's an advantage. And at this level, is it the same when you're dealing with awkward sheets of ice and awkward buildings as much as i love tucson arena it's an awkward building i'm not offending anyone by saying that it's it's a strange building it's a horseshoe kind of barn and it's 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 got some craziness the locker room it wasn't built for hockey no and it was built 40 years ago so it's not like one of these newer facilities san jose for example they're playing out of the um what's it called now not the hp anymore what is the big building the sap center they're playing that thank you they're playing at the sap center the last few years and they're building their own facility which will be a practice facility but also have a home ice for the barracuda so it's going to be incredible i mean an amazing facility smaller footprint and a little tighter crowd but that's what they need up there because they've got an nhl team five feet away um but the this isn't this wasn't built for that it's probably a little bigger than you would build an ahl arena right now um and it's just it wasn't designed this way and so um but i think that that even without fans in the building and so to kind of share that part, there are no fans in Tucson Arena this weekend for um, Sunday or Monday's games uh, where they're the road team. The goal, so both San Jose and Tucson will go actually on the road next week, and then both will return the following week um, where Tucson becomes the home team for three three games. Um, and then after that, San Jose actually gets to go home the first the first couple days or the last couple days of February. Um back up to Northern California. But when they both return and, and San Jose is the road team, the February 18th official home opener for the Roadrunners, the plan is to have fans in the stands. How many, to what degree, how that will work is totally unknown. But that's what the team says, is they, they plan for that. And they also say with the caveat, the plan is that that's what we're planning now, but it can change at any moment. They're working with the managers of the arena uh, and Pima County health officials every day to, to make sure that that's you know, that they're on track for that. Um, so you said that earlier that we don't know how that's going to turn out, but that is the goal. Um, but even, even without fans or with a minimal number of fans, I still believe at this level, the AHL level, playing in your home building is a significant advantage. Um, you may not have the crowd behind you, but you know the, the little things, um, you know, the black ice in that um, south, west corner of the building where the, yep. the zamboni comes on and stuff like that i mean there's there's little things like that that absolutely play into the roadrunner's hand and so having more home games is is a really big deal and cannot be overstated i don't think absolutely once again brett farah joining us on the locked on coyotes podcast today as we get ready for the tucson roadrunner season set to begin this sunday just a quick reminder guys that we're getting we're covering everything you need to know about the Arizona Coyotes, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well. We have Locked On Today. It's hosted by the by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need and every morning 
in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On today wherever you get your podcasts. In just a sec, I'm going to go ahead and ask Brett some of his uh, favorite stories covering the Tucson Roadrunners over the last couple of years. RockAuto.com. I know a lot of you guys get really frustrated when you go to an auto parts store and you're looking for a repair part for your car and either they don't have the part, they have you chase the part across town, or the part itself is incredibly expensive. That's where RockAuto.com comes into place. All you need is access to a computer and internet. Head to RockAuto.com and fill in your car or truck information, and it will have everything that can fit your car, neatly organized, super easy to use, and the best part is it is amazingly well-priced on all the parts. You can, sp- you can save up to like 50% on some parts as you normally would pay at a chain store. I could say that I, could say that I saved around that much on spark plugs for my car. For the Stang? Oh, yeah, for the Stang. I absolutely love it. All right. But, all right. But don't just take my word for it. You can go ahead and go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. When you're there, write Locked On and how did, you, how did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Hey, your, your, your Twitter background, by the way, is quintessential Tucson, if, uh, if people haven't seen it. It's, it's the top-down Mustang hanging out on the side of the road with, with Santa Catalina's in the background. And if that is not Tucson and all that is great about Tucson, I don't know what is. So I'm glad that Rock Auto was able to get you some spark plugs keep that puppy on the road and uh god god bless the accord oh yeah uh that's that accord is uh it's run it's 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 run its course no well my brother has it it's in newport beach oh right all right yep uh so it's getting its own sunsetting (laughs) i told i i told him if it to let me know once it reaches two hundred thousand miles (laughs) sorry i know i'm getting sidetracked but that's the fun part of getting to talk for a while (laughs) not uh not a problem all right brett this is my favorite segment. I did this with Ezra last week, uh, and I also did this with Eric Clock a couple weeks before. It's a segment I love to call. I like to call uh, stories from the press box. I also did another segment, like a half segment of it, with uh, Justin Emerson of the Las Vegas Sun, as he covered the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils during their transition to the NCAA. But now we have you as the uh, another Tucson Roadrunners reporter, and I always love hearing everyone's favorite stories covering their covering these teams because everyone has a different answer eric talked about uh the you know talking to high profile hockey names you know like how he just happened to be sitting next to uh dean lombardi one that the first year he started covering it you know ezra talked about the time that uh you know when tucson went to the playoffs also talking about craig cunningham's recovery story and like i said uh justin emerson talked about and Arizona State going from ACHA to NCAA. But now I want to hear from you. What are some of your favorite stories covering the Tucson Roadrunners over these last couple of years that you've been a part of the uh, the media team? Well, I think one of them stands out, and he's not with the team right now. It's kind of fun, though, because I think he's up in the Phoenix area, and he's basically got tickets to Coyotes games. But uh, one of them was with uh, Bo Bennett, who um, played, I think, college at the at Denver um, in, in the – uh, played Division One college hockey at Denver before going to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, was on the Penguins one of their 
Stanley Cup years. I don't know him off the top of my head, but a relatively recent one. Um, and bounced around a little bit. Well, he ended up with the Roadrunners last year. And so you just mentioned uh, Justin Everson covering ASU. And, and so there's a funny little meme on Twitter, a joke on Twitter amongst hockey fans that uh, uh, Bo Bennett was the first commit to ASU. At least he claims that he was. So basically when ASU gets announced they're having a hockey team, which Justin, he just talked about, had a pretty big role in that process um, from his interviews and conversations with Ray Anderson, the AD at ASU, and kind of breaking that story wide open. Um Bo Bennett sees it a few years ago and he says, he goes, Hey, I'm committed to ASU. Um, so I, I kind of asked him about that as a joke last year. And he goes, Oh, I go to ASU. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it turns out he's a student uh, at the Cronkite school, a, a mass communication student. Um, I don't think journalism, but, uh, but something in the mass communication field. And he's taking his classes online. And so I start talking to him about it. And this is a, I want to say it's a Monday that they're in the building. Um, and they normally wouldn't be in the building on Monday, except that um, actually, yes, they would because they, they played Friday, Saturday on the road, drove back Sunday, and then we're in the building for a light practice on Monday. So I'm talking to him and he goes, Oh yeah, yeah. I just had to take my final on the bus yesterday on the way back, <laughs> you know, so he's using, using Wi-Fi on the bus uh, as they're busting back from Southern California. And I just thought that was a really cool component because here you have this guy who played two years of college hockey decided to figure out how to remotely, you know, online as he's a working professional, like anyone else might be, um, continue his education. Um, but the, but it was just kind of fun that it was ASU um, because that's the place that, you know, four or five years ago, he joked that, and his, his point was he won, you know, he's like, oh, God, wouldn't everybody want to go play hockey in the middle of the desert? Huh? So um, that was kind of the gist of his tweet. But, uh, but so that was a fun conversation getting to learn from him about that. And, you know, he says he's an A student, which I thought was kind of cool. And then, uh, um, God, let me think what else. Uh, Michael Bunting, when you're down in that hallway, this is the stuff I'm going to miss. When we're down in that hallway of Tucson Arena, which is where the locker rooms are, um, you know, and I don't know if I'm supposed to share this, but uh, our old buddy, Walt Ruff, who was the uh, media relations and communications manager for the team last year, last few years, uh, he's not with the team this year, but um, he, he would probably get mad at me for saying this out loud because it's kind of understood that this stuff is, is their, their uh, domain. But um Michael Bunting, uh, I got how many games did he come out of the locker room grubbing for extra assists, you know, act, saying, oh, I tipped that one, you know, because they basically do kind of an assessment of all the scoring post game to make sure that they got the right guys. So if there's another a second assist that needs to be added or if a puck got tipped on the way in, but they credited originally the person who had the slap shot or the shot from the point. And uh, it's like clockwork every game. Bunting is just like, yeah, you know, I got to assist on that second goal in the second period, you know, like, <laughs> and it's just so funny because it's, you know, it doesn't mean anything and he knows that, but it's just, it's just a funny insight into his personality, not in a bad way at all. I think it's, I think it's hilarious and, and a fun, uh, you know, kind of fun thing and uh, to be a part of. And then uh, the last thing, if I can share one more, and again, I'm, I'm kind of sharing some secrets from Walt, uh, who I miss being here in Tucson. He's back home in Pennsylvania, but uh but Walt uh, has a little streak um, where uh, God, he's going to kill me for saying this on in public, but that's okay. Um, somehow one day when the team was struggling, Walt was brought into the locker room pregame and he knows all these guys. And he was asked to do sort of the hype up uh, at before the game. And so he's, you know, yelling at the top of his lungs. And he told, he told me this. I didn't, I didn't be there to witness it. So it's secondhand information, but so he's yelling at the top of his lungs. There may be some occasional both oriented language. Um, and he, all of a sudden, and then the guys go crazy and then they come out to the ice and they play and they win a game. Well, 
Wold had like a crazy streak of the games that they asked him to do the pregame hype where they won. And uh, so every time I'd see him come up a minute later and he's got a smirk on his face and he's coming up to the press box and I'm like, Hey, what's, what's going on? And he's, and he's like, we're going to win tonight. He knew because they asked him to do the pregame hype. And, and uh, I can't repeat some of the things that were said. I got to listen to it once where he recorded it, um, but definitely not for public consumption. Um, and I know as a journalist, like that's, that's a faux pas. We're supposed to share what we know. This is, this is not newsworthy. I promise. It's just a fun Fun little no, piece, that's, but, that, uh, that's, but that's the stuff that I think. That, yeah, that, that's what that's what this segment's all about ahead, to kind of share about stuff like this stuff that people yeah. normally won't hear because, you know, as journalists, we share the things that, uh, you know, well, people normally would want to hear It's like, hey, you know, what's going on with the team? And, you know, what did this player have yeah. to say? It, it, stuff that's important to that. But hearing stuff like that, that's what that's what makes a segment like this, because you're just like to hear to see stuff like right. that. I, I love those. Well, and you and I are lucky. And Eric, a couple of years ago, when he was with us up at the box, and you know we're lucky. We Adrian's great. Um, he's the voice. Adrian Denny's the voice of the Roadrunners. And uh, if I'm allowed to plug, uh, I'm co-hosting Happy Hour, Roadrunners Happy Hour now, which is uh, every Tuesday uh, on a Tucson sports radio station that I will not share because it's a, may not be the one that Robbie works for during <laughs> the day. So if anybody wants to find it, you can find it. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I, Adrian's invited me to share that with him, and, and we're lucky to have Adrian. He's, he's wonderful. Um, and Walt was amazing. Um, just salt of the earth, awesome guy. And so uh, I can't wait to see where he ends up next uh, through this. Um, but I hope someday I get to work with him again because he, he, you know, we have to have this sort of weird relationship with the folks who help us because they are defending the team. You know, it's their job to be the public relations, media relations for the team. They have to be cautious, but at the same time, they know we're doing our jobs and we're asking about things. You know, why is someone so hurt? What, what's going on with this person? You know, uh, like I gotta, I gotta pump Adrian one of these days. I need to know what's going on with Jan Yenik, you know? So, um, but beyond that, like, um, it's really great to work in an environment where we're welcomed and we're basically, they, they know that we have something that, and they don't, it's not a, it's not a quid pro quo relationship, but they understand we're there to do, not just a job covering the team, but that we are a connection for them to the fans and to the people who want to read and listen and things like that. And, and so I got to say, they treat us great. And uh, I don't know what stories you and I have. Uh, mostly it's pregame meals trying to get there in time before it's all gone. Um, fry, chicken fingers and fries night is a good one. Um, oh, I'm going to miss those. Trying to think oh, what else. I'm going to miss those meals. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We aren't going to get to do that, huh? Yeah. That's, that's good. I didn't even think about that, but that's not going to be a thing. I'm going to have to scarf before getting down. There. Yeah. I got to, I got to figure out what my plans is going to be, especially I got to trap, you know, I got a little more of a commute to get there now as well. <laughs> but, uh, do you think, I, I mean, this is kind of weird to ask, but do you think it's strange if we aren't there for every game? Like if you and I, let's just say we're covering the team every home game. I mean, if we're going to be talking to players over Zoom and we have access to AHL TV where we can watch the game, save replays, check on things, how different is it? I definitely think it is different. I'm just curious what you think because I feel like the Zoom component post game kind of opens that up a little bit. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely plan to go. I just wondering what you think about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things I've definitely considered myself as well. Uh, I, I'm personally looking at the, uh, some of the factors like, um, any kind of angle that you normally won't see when you're watching AHL TV. Right. Like for example, I'll, I'm going to point to a, an experience that we had, um, that I pointed out and, and I think you and I both saw during one of the games, you know, last year is there was a fight going on 
and just it was the camera stayed on the ice, but we looked down. I point down, and you see I forget which players it was, but uh, one one of the Roadrunners players was in the box and they're just you know barking at the at the, I think it was a San Diego player, and they were just having at it inside the inside the penalty box. And I'm 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 talking to you and like these guys are about to fight again the moment that box the door opens. And that, that that's the things that you don't see because because obviously you only have one camera on AHL TV, so it can't really go everywhere. You can see any kind of interact. Yeah, you're totally right. There was also there was also I mean, hey, we're forgetting the biggest one, and I, I it was said in the press box, and I don't want to say who it was to, you know, I'll I'll just leave it at that. But it was said in the press box, and I think you and I were both there and heard it, and we started sort of digging into it. But it was, um. What was the situation? It was the second to last game, the season before last. Um, hang on, let me see if I can find it. <laughs> um, but there was a there was a late game controversy with a goal being scored. Oh, it was, the time the clock didn't start. Oh, that's right. Remember this? Yes, I remember second, this. I think it was second to last game against San Diego. Um, and the clock, it was, the Roadrunners had an extra attacker down one and the clock didn't start right when the faceoff happened. And, oh, and Connor Garland was back for a few games. It was his rookie year with the Coyotes and he, he came back. And if you remember, you and I talked about Garland at this point and he was like, I, 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 this was a weird equation, but I said it back then. You might remember he's, he was like a baseball player who just took a hundred swings with a, with a fun, um, not fungal bat, but with a bat with a donut on it where like, you know, just absolutely just raking his shoulders. Cause he was faster. He was quicker. I mean, he, from playing in the NHL that year to coming down for the last four games, he was absolutely the best player on the ice every time out. And, um, and so he was just doing circles around people. Well, there's a face off it. Uh, I forget where it was, but like 30 seconds on the clock and like 15 seconds go by without the clock starting. And the Roadrunners end up scoring to tie the game and going into overtime and winning it, which has kept their playoff hopes alive. And uh, Dallas Eakins, who's now the coach of the Anaheim Ducks, he was the head coach in San Diego at the time. And he was livid post-game, absolutely livid. And it was set up in the press box. Someone noticed it. And so we all went and rewound the tape on AHL TV. But my point is, if we were watching that at home, we wouldn't have realized that. Even though we could have seen it on our own, the odds are we wouldn't have. It was the fact that there was media there and it was sort of determined amongst the group, like, hey, look what happened here. What what's going on? And and sure enough, and the, the game stood like the, the results stood, but it definitely was controversial. And it, like I said, it kept the the Roadrunners playoff hopes alive. This was the year they did not make the playoffs. They ended up losing the next night, which knocked them out. But if they would have won that next night, they would have been in and San Diego would have been out. And if I'm not mistaken, either San Diego or Colorado would have been out one of the yeah. two, something like that. Um but uh, pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, I, I could, I could at some point pull it up and get the full details, but, uh, but we don't have that much time here for that. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a crazy one too. And that's something that we, you would not experience unless you're sitting in a group. So even this year at the games, you know, that's something else too. Um, I'm, I know that I'm basically going to be sort of permanently seated down south of where the press box normally is, which means I'm not going to be sitting near you or Adrian or, or Walt, even though Walt's not going to be there. Like I'm not going to see anyone. And so it's, to me, it's going to be different on that front for sure. And I'm going to have to, to really be on top of things the whole time. You we're know? not going to be, uh, uh, share. Not that I'm not, but it's, it's a lot going on. We're not going to be able to share our analysis as, as, as we normally do. Right. 
Definitely, exactly. definitely going to be an interesting season. But I'm looking forward to it once again with the Tucson Roadrunners season set to begin this Sunday at noon against the San Jose Barracuda. Uh, one thing I do want to let you know that betting on this on hockey doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Beds podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the spot the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked On Bets Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to go ahead and start closing things out. Uh, first, I do want to thank Brett once again for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thanks for letting me go down tangents from your car to, uh, to the locker room stuff. I appreciate it. It's, it's fun to come on shows, and especially with you. I've known for so long, Rob, and get to just uh, talk about everything and nothing at the same time. And hopefully we can be a little bit entertaining for those listening. Absolutely. And I want to thank every one of you guys for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to leave a good review. Subscribe if you've yet to already. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts. And another quick reminder that I'm available on Twitter at RobLiano1. You can interact with me and you can mention me. You can DM me. You can also do that to at LO underscore Coyotes. And uh, literally any interaction you can ask a question. I can answer them on a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Again, if you are looking for any Coyotes content tonight, the Arizona Coyotes will be once again up against the St. Louis Blues before they get a quick break because of the uh, canceled or postponed games this weekend against the Minnesota Wild. More on that in the uh, in a future episode of this podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening today. Hope you guys are all staying safe. Hope you guys stay healthy. And don't forget to howl on.